Our little boy, Boston, he's 15 months old and he absolutely loves books. All right, He loves them. Now, he likes toys as well, but there's just something about books and stories that captivate him. And I've got no problem with that. I'm not much of a book reader myself. In fact, I think it's awesome that he loves books. My problem lies with this, and parents, you'll relate. He wants me to read him the same stories again and again and again. He'll waddle over to me with those big blue eyes. He'll extend a book out to me with both hands, and then he'll turn around and back his little booty up to get comfortable and sit down. And I'm like, sure, buddy. Let's read Harry McClary from Donaldson's Theory again for the hundredth time. And you know how it goes. Hercules Morse, as big as a horse. Snitzel Von Crumb with a very low tum. Blitzer Maloney, all skinny and bony. Muffin McClay like a bundle of hay. And Bottomley Pots all covered in spots. You know the guys. I've read it a few times. I love those guys. It's a great story of neighborhood friendship despite their differences. But even as good as the message is, I got to be honest with you, I don't care. Like, it's, it's fine. The story's all good. It's somewhat interesting to read, but it has no bearing on my life. In fact, the only time I've ever thought of that story outside of reading the story to Boston was recently we were in Queenstown, Darcy and I with her family. They visited from America. We went down there and we're just walking along, minding our own business when this huge English Mastiff dog walks past. Darcy and I look straight at each other. And we go, Hercules Morse as big as a horse. <laughs> there he is. Storytelling is one of the most powerful forms of communication to mankind. Stories can change us in all sorts of ways if we will allow them to. We find ourselves in December for another year, and with that comes the church's responsibility to present to you the Christmas story yet again. It's the story of the birth of Jesus. It's a story that's been told for thousands of years and will be told for thousands of years to come. Now, many of you have heard it plenty of times. In fact, Many of you could recite it or teach it in great detailed accuracy. But what's interesting about this story is that even though we've heard it a hundred times, it's unlike other stories in that you'll never hear the full story. It's because it's an historical account. It's got missing bits and pieces. But as Christians, we believe that it's the Word of God, so we believe it's alive, active, living, and it's the ability to speak to us in different ways. Now, that doesn't mean we get to make up our own interpretation of what we think it means, what we want it to mean, but rather it means that God, through the Holy Spirit, illuminates certain parts of Scripture to us. He highlights certain parts, and it's from those parts that He speaks to us in a personal way. The story of Jesus presents to us an opportunity that no other story can. The contents of the Christmas story was always meant to move you and shift the way that you lived your life. But like many of the other stories we've heard before, we can unfortunately become really numb to them. We think we've heard it all before. We've gathered all there is together. You know, Harry McCleary is a children's story, as is the very hungry caterpillar and the tale of Peter Rabbit. I love those stories, but they're for children. But the story of Jesus being born in a manger, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin for the salvation of mankind, well, that one's for all of us. That's not just a cute story we whip out at Christmas time, but that one is relevant to every single person in the room. But if we aren't careful, this, this story will be relegated to the pile of other stories that just have great moral messages. If we're not careful, this story will be relegated to the pile of other stories that just have various characters, plot twists, and valuable lessons. See, the story of Jesus has the ability to transform your heart and your mind, your identity, and your eternity. And I've observed both in my role as a pastor and specifically in Scripture that as powerful as the story is, it doesn't affect everyone the same. In fact, it's only actually significant for some people. And you may say, hey, Frosty, I thought the Christmas story was for everyone. And it is. It's just that not everyone engages with it in a way that they should. 
Not everyone engages with the Christmas story about Jesus in a way that they can actually have their lives changed. We make the mistake of hearing it or reading it, and we assume, ah, it'll just be like the other hundred times that I heard it. The Christmas story is for you. It's for you because Jesus is for you. But if you truly want God to transform you through this story, there's a few key factors that we need to consider, and I'd love to lead us through those this morning. Firstly, the Christmas story affects you when you believe. When you believe. There's a lady in the Bible, her name is Elizabeth, and as the story goes, she was six months pregnant, and she has a relative, you might have heard of her, her name is Mary. Mary's engaged to Joseph, and Mary is a virgin, and Mary has this moment where she hears from an angel of the Lord named Gabriel, and Gabriel the angel says this to Mary in Luke chapter 1 from verse 30. He said, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will receive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Now, Mary's taken back by the news. As you can understand, if you heard from an angel directly like that, you'd be taken back too. She's taken back, but she's really excited about it. Story continues in verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So she's heard from this angel, pretty phenomenal instruction. She then goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, remember, who's six months pregnant. And from verse 39, the story continues. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And then she says this, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Elizabeth didn't just see a pregnant relative. She saw the fulfillment of a promise. She saw the goodness of God. She believed that the arrival of Jesus wasn't just good for Mary, but it was also good for her. And so she says to Mary, you are blessed. Why? Because you believed. You know, for those that approach the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus with unbelief or without belief, it's simply a hodgepodge story of a poor family having a baby among animals with a rather questionable conception. At first reading, that's what we see. And this will be often what unbelievers try to point out. They'll make jokes about Joseph not being fooled by Mary's claim to have fallen pregnant by God. Like, yeah, right. Like he's going to believe that one. But living by faith allows us to see beyond the surface. It allows us to see clearer what God is doing. Living by faith allows us to enter into what God is doing. And then the story connects with us personally. See, when you hear the story of Jesus, what do you see? When you hear the story of Jesus, do you see what others see? Do you see what is plain and obvious? Or do you see what God was doing? Because it wasn't just a pregnancy, it was a promise. It wasn't just a delivery, it was deliverance. It wasn't just a manger, it contained the Messiah. Elizabeth was impacted and she was filled with the Holy Spirit because she looked at pregnant Mary with faith. Mary wasn't just carrying her own promise, she was carrying Elizabeth's promise too. In fact, she was carrying God's promise for you and I. And in Luke chapter 2, we read of some shepherds that are nearby, and they're tending to their sheep and uh, the flock of sheep that they have when they also get a visitation from an angel. 
And they're terrified at first because if you read the actual descriptions of what angels look like, they're, they're terrifying. They don't look like our nice Christmas tree angels, but they're, pre- they're freaking out. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You know what's really interesting about the manger that Jesus was laid into is that while it was a feeding trough in ancient Israel, these were actually carved out of stone. They weren't the nice, cute, cute wooden ones we see in our nativity scenes and in farmers on the shelf. Not comfortable, but really good for protection from wolves, wolves and other predators. And this is why experts in the matter, the priests, would put their newborn lambs into them for protection. It wasn't just any lamb, but it was spotless, perfect, blemishless lambs that would be used for the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. This is how they did it in the Old Testament. Not only that, but did you know that Bethlehem was famous for its spotless lambs? Like of all the places that had good spotless lambs, Bethlehem was one of the best. So these lambs, they would wrap them in this cloth and they would lay them down in the manger to be kept safe. And this is exactly why the only time that a manger is ever mentioned in the birth story of Jesus is in Luke chapter 2 when it's being presented to shepherds. And the, the angels say to the shepherds, they say, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Man, these shepherds would have been like, I know what that means. We're from the town of perfect, perfect spotless sheep. We're from the town of, of, of those, those mangers. Oh, we know what you're talking about. They would have understood this powerful parallel. They knew, dang right, this baby was going to be the perfect lamb of God. The shepherds understood the significance of this imagery, imagery and by faith, they believed this is not just a baby in a manger. This is going to be the promised savior of the world. This is amazing. And so they hear this story from the angel. They hear this instruction. They look at each other and they're like, we need to go and check that out. We need to go to Bethlehem and see this very thing that the angels have just spoken to us. So they go, and I love that, right? They get this word from God, but they immediately believe it and they act on it. They weren't just like, that's amazing what God is doing. Bless. They're like, I want to go and be a part of that. I want to go and see what's going on. And so they travel to see Jesus in a manger. They get there and it's amazing. And they start telling everyone around about this Jesus. And everyone who heard the story was astonished. After that, this is cool. The Bible says they go back to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. They didn't go back the same way that they came. They entered into the story of Jesus and their lives were transformed. Do you leave different? When you hear that God sent his son Jesus for you, do you allow the weight of that to sink in? The arrival of Jesus produced thanksgiving in their hearts. And after seeing for themselves what God had done, they went back to their everyday lives with praise on their lips. The Christmas story is significant for those who choose to believe. Why was the birth of a baby to a poor family in a small town in a manger significant? Because it was a powerful display of God's goodness of his faithfulness and of his provision. When you believe this, you can't help but tell people about it and carry praise on your lips in your everyday life. This Christmas season, can I encourage us to enter into the story with faith and not familiarity? Because what might seem like an ordinary fable becomes an extraordinary fulfillment. And this is the difference between those that live their life by faith and those that don't. Those that just live their life based on what they see and what they hear, they just read it at face value, and those who walk by faith and not by sight. Let me tell you what faith sees. Faith sees a way through when the door seems closed. Faith sees forgiveness offered when judgment is deserved. Faith sees a savior when the world sees a baby. 
So this Christmas, let's not see the birth of Jesus at face value. Let's see it at faith value. You know, it's by faith that you're saved. It's by faith that you're redeemed. It's by faith that you're healed. It is by faith that the story comes alive and truly changes your life. The Christmas story is a story of faith. And it invites you and I to look at our own world and our own stories through the lens of faith too. When the doctor gives you a bad diagnosis, do you just sit and and rest on what you've seen or heard? Or do you believe that we serve a supernatural God that can bring breakthrough and healing to your body? I'm not saying that the doctor's wrong. I'm just telling you that faith allows you to see what God could do. Faith allows you to see what God could see. See, in the natural, the doctor's probably 100% right. I've got no issue with that. But in the supernatural, with God, all things are possible. Do we approach our challenges through the lens of faith? When you find yourself in a broken relationship, maybe with a friend, maybe with a family member, one of your children, or maybe one of your parents, do we just, ah, it is what it is. Might be what it is, but it doesn't have to be what it is. Do we just read that at face value or do we maybe enter into it through faith value? Because we serve a God of unity that can restore what is otherwise broken and detached. If you look at your own story just at face value, you will quickly discover that you've messed up pretty bad, that you don't measure up, that you do fall short of God's standard. But when you look at your same story through the eyes of faith, you believe that God is who he said he is and that Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection aren't just a great story, then you leave different from the way that you came. It's with that faith that you receive forgiveness and wholeness. What did Elizabeth say to her relative Mary? She said, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And the birth of Jesus is God doing for you what he said he would do for you. The Christmas story impacts those who choose to believe. And the second thing for today is that the Christmas story truly affects you when you encounter God. When you encounter God. I want to read to you one more passage. It's another account of the birth of Jesus. It's a little bit longer, but you love Scripture, so you're all good with it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. It says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through, this, through his prophet, which said, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, Joseph does something here that a lot of people do, but you may have missed it. Mary assumedly comes to her fiance and explains to him how she's just had this amazing moment with God. Like I've literally heard from angels myself. I've experienced this amazing, miraculous encounter and I've become pregnant even though I'm a virgin, she says to her fiance. Remember that Mary had this confirmed herself by an angel and when she heard the news, she was blown away and felt so blessed to have been chosen. Joseph's reaction, he's like, yeah, nah. I'm not buying it, Mary. He's like, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm not smelling what you're cooking. Like, I'm not picking up what you're throwing down. I understand what you're saying to me, but this all sounds a bit whack. I don't like the sound of it, so I care about you. I'm not going to publicly shame you, but 
we're just going to end this and I'm going to keep my distance like we're done. And he's calling the engagement off. This is crazy. Now, remember that Joseph is a believer of Yahweh. He believes in the God of the Bible. He's just not convinced of Mary's encounter. I remember when I was attending our church's encounter youth camp in 2009 as a 20-year-old, and it was one of my first experiences of seeing people fall down under the power of the Holy Spirit. I was freaking out. I was like, we need to call an ambulance. Like, I don't know what's going on here. I was freaking out. And as I reflect on that, I, I was trying to rationalize how it might be happening. I was wondering if some of these teenagers were just like faking it, like acting. Teenagers can be pretty dramatic. So I thought this might be all tied in with a bit of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> it can be really difficult to relate to somebody else's experience when you haven't had your own. Remember when we were awaiting the arrival of Boston, we were so excited and so many church people were so uh, kind as to warn us about how hard parenting was. I thought, that's awesome. And I believed you. But now that we've got one, I'm like, oh, that's what you meant. It's different when you actually get to experience it. The story of the arrival of Jesus being the savior of the world, it's interesting, right? Like that's an interesting story. It might be intriguing. It might even be inspiring or compelling, but the God behind it was never meant to be just understood. He was meant to be experienced in an undeniable way. And I'm not saying that has to look like falling down under the power of the Holy Spirit, but it might. It might also just look like an overwhelming sense of peace as you become aware of his presence. An encounter creates an anchor for your faith. It is a key moment in your journey and in your life that reminds you that God is close and that He cares about you. And while Joseph is considering how he's going to break up with his fiance Mary because he's not buying her stories, he doesn't want to be a part of that anymore, he is visited by an angel who reassures him that everything's going to be fine, that he should take Mary as his wife, and that they will have a son that he should call Jesus. Joseph wakes up, and the Bible says he does everything that the angel instructed, and he took Mary as his wife. I read that, and I was like, oh, come on, Joseph. So now you believe it. So now you think the angel visitation was real. Now you want to take Mary as your wife and name your son Jesus. What was going on here? The story of God that was unfolding became alive when Joseph encountered God for himself. He heard of Mary's encounter. He's like, I'm not so sure about. But the moment he encountered God, he was convinced and obedient on everything to do with the birth of Jesus. Every believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit and has the opportunity to seek God and ask for an experience that stirs your own faith. And I've noticed that the Christians that get the most excited about what God is doing and the significance of the Christmas story are those that have stepped out, those who have gotten vulnerable and gone after an encounter with God. And I need to clarify that the encounter is not the goal. We aren't running around looking for a Christian high, but we're seeking God. We're drawing near to Him and believing that we can have an experience that brings our own story to life. Joseph wasn't shaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't manifesting. He wasn't experiencing some form of euphoria. Look, all of that's fine. Joseph's encounter was anchored in intimacy. Joseph heard from God himself about his personal situation and was reassured by God that everything was going to be okay. You know, personal intimacy is the greatest encounter with God that you could ever have. Years ago, I played rugby with a guy. Um, 
back over in East Auckland. And then years later, he became a contestant on Survivor New Zealand. And so I love watching Survivor. As I'm watching this, I was, it was awesome because I knew this guy. Like I was drawn in. No longer was it just like some random dude on an island. I was like, I know this guy. Like it became personal. And when we read the story of Jesus in the Christmas story, we are meant to know the Jesus that it's talking about. When you know Jesus as a friend knows a friend, it's no longer just a story, but it draws you in. It becomes personal. It becomes part of your own life. Keys, you can join me. I really love this key fact, and I'm not sure if you noticed it, but the way that the angel addressed Joseph when he first appeared. Do you remember? He said, uh, Joseph, son of David. Why is that significant? That's significant because Joseph was from the bloodline of King David. This is the same bloodline that Jesus would be born into. This means that Joseph would have been brought up as a devout follower of his religious customs. The last reference in the book of Joseph, so the last reference of Joseph in the book of Luke uh, shows us that he ensured good spiritual teaching to the kids in his household. And so Joseph was like many of the people in this room today, Christian parents. Christian upbringing, spent his whole life in church, knew all the stories, in fact, probably taught others about Scripture. But it was only when he had an intimate encounter with God and believed that the story of Jesus, the birth of his adoptive son, truly came alive. Personal intimacy and an encounter brought the Christmas story alive for him. You know, some of you here today are like Joseph. You know a lot in your mind but actually it's a moment of intimacy and encounter that will bring the birth of Jesus truly alive for you. Because even if you're from a godly heritage, even if you've been in church all of your life and you've heard all of the stories, it is so vital that you have an encounter for yourself. And again, let me reassure you, it doesn't have to look like falling down under the power of the Holy Spirit, but it might. It might be just God speaking a word to you like He did to Joseph, a personal word to you about your personal circumstances and reassuring you that it's all gonna be okay. That moment of intimacy will be like an anchor in your faith. Psalm 42, verse 1 to 2. This is King David, Joseph's ancestor. He understood it. He says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? The birth of Jesus and his significance truly sinks in for you when God speaks to you about it himself. What has God revealed to you about Jesus? What has God revealed to you about your personal need for a Savior? And I'm not just talking about what you heard in a sermon, the way that the words were well-crafted in a worship song, or what you heard in another podcast. That stuff's all great. But what has God said to you? Because when you hear those words from God yourself, like Joseph did, all of a sudden he believed, and he was obedient around the story of Jesus. And so here we are again. December has rolled around. The church is talking about the birth of Jesus. And whether it's the first time or the hundredth time you've heard it, the fact remains this story won't affect everyone the same. The contents of the story have the ability to transform your life and your eternity. But if you approach it like any other story, you'll probably leave unchanged. You might understand it a little bit more, but it was always intended to move you far more than understanding. The Christmas story will introduce you to grace to compassion, forgiveness, love, provision, delivered promise, breakthrough, and relationship. But it starts with believing that the birth of Jesus was a move of God. It was the fulfillment of a promise, not just for the Israelites, but for you too. Because when you choose to believe, just like Mary, 
you'll be blessed. Like the shepherds, when you believe and go and see for yourself, you'll go back to your everyday life with praise on your lips. And just like Joseph, it's not until you've heard from God yourself that it really sinks in. Maybe you believe, but it still kind of feels a little bit secondhand at the moment. Well, I would love to pray for you this morning. As we did in the 9am service, we want to create some space. And I want to create this space so that you would have a moment to hear from God and that He would tell you exactly why He sent Jesus for you. Why the forgiveness and new life that He offers is for you. Because once you hear this yourself from God, you'll never see the Christmas story the same again. The story of Jesus' birth is for everyone, but it truly changes those who choose to believe and those that have a personal, intimate encounter with Him. It wasn't just a pregnancy, it was a promise. It wasn't just a delivery, it was deliverance. It wasn't just a manger, but it housed our Messiah. And so we're gonna take this moment in God's presence to pray and to listen. God, you have all my attention. I will linger and I'll listen. I want every person here in just a moment, I want you to ask God what the birth of Jesus means for you. And then I want you to take note of what he's saying. And there's some people that have straight away, you're like, ah, but he won't speak to me. He's always speaking to you. Are we listening? This is how we do it. It's nice and simple. I want to teach you real quick. Faith is this thing where we trust God. So we're going to pray in just a moment. I want you to ask that question. God, what is... What does the Savior being born mean for me? How might I respond to that? What does this mean for my life? And then I want you to listen. And what you hear is from God. Now you need to test that against the Word of God. If it sounds a bit whack, whatever, write it down. You can go test that because it will never contradict the Word of God. And you'll second guess yourself and think, oh, maybe that's my thoughts. You've asked the God of the universe to speak to His child. It's humble in heart. You've created a moment. God wants to speak to you. So ask Him to do it. Listen to what he's saying and believe in faith that that is God speaking to you. Because when you've heard it for yourself, it will create a moment of intimacy that will be an anchor for your faith. Why don't we all stand to our feet? We're just going to take this moment. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're just going to stay standing or if you're more comfortable, you're welcome to stay sitting. And we're just going to be still for a few moments. And I want you to pray. And I want you to say, God, maybe I've heard the story before, but would you speak to me fresh this morning? What does the birth of Jesus mean for me? How might I respond and what am I meant to do with that? And I believe God's going to reveal to you this morning just how much He loves you. So why don't we close our eyes, I'll pray, and then we'll we'll just be still in His presence for a few moments. Father God, I thank You for Your presence. I thank You for the beautiful, gracious gift of Your Son. He is the Lord. He is the King of kings. Everything was made through Him, by Him, and for Him, and yet He was willing to humble Himself to come and be born a baby so that we would receive not what we thought we wanted, but exactly what we needed. And I just pray, God, that You would speak to Your people this morning. You would remind them of just how much You love them. Remind them that You're close, and may they have a moment of intimacy. We would say, speak, Lord, for Your servants are listening. Jesus' name. Why don't you just stay still, ask God that question, and see what it is that He would say.